Welcome back to the Sim Geeks Podcast. We are your hosts, William Belk and David Schablock. Uh, we are joined today by the one, the only, Matt Charnetsky, and I am going to give him a few minutes. He's not been with us before, so we want to make sure he has time to introduce himself. So tell us your background. Tell us what you do in simulation and where everything's kind of come from for you. But first, what I do is I always tell people, I'm like, because you know, being our positions, we've done a lot of weird things, a lot of odd, different things, and we have a very unique background. And how I describe Matt to pretty much anybody that's never met him, I'm like, he makes us look normal. So <laughs> give us give us the story, the, the short story, because it's it's good ones. Sure. Um, so there, there's kind of, I guess there's three three pathways. There's academic, there's geographic, and there's <laughs> professional, right? Um, so academic, uh, I went to a, a major in biology at a small liberal arts college in my hometown. I moved four blocks to go to college. It becomes important that I only moved four blocks to go to college later in the story. Uh, then I got my paramedic certificate a number of years later, uh, followed a few years after that by my master's in medical simulation at Drexel. Uh, and now I'm currently working on my PhD at Maastricht University in the Netherlands. So that's academically. And, uh, Geographically, <laughs> I grew up in Iowa, a little town in central Iowa, uh, went to Africa my senior year of college, got bit by the bug of, of traveling and seeing the world, whole other series of misadventures will save you the story. I moved to Antarctica for seven years, off and on, not the entire time, uh, 52 months of ice time uh, over those seven years. Then I moved back to Iowa for a while, about eight years, um, then shortly Towards the end of that time was when I fell into simulation that I moved to Kazakhstan for almost two years. Because why not? Great, like you do. Uh, then I moved back to the States, but I moved to Northeast Arkansas, which I routinely kind of joked around that at least we would have the same alphabet even if we didn't speak the same language. <laughs> uh, and then about a year and a half ago, I moved to New Hampshire. So that's the, the rounding out of the, the geography of it. And then professionally, uh, lots of different stuff in Antarctica, logistics did search and rescue a little bit there was a field safety training person for just a, a brief time at the end <clears throat> came back to the states was working as an EMT thought well this is fun but it's kind of boring I'd like to be a paramedic but I couldn't afford a paramedic school so I talked my way into uh, electronic medical records at the beginning of meaningful use so I did project management and implementation <laughs> Uh, to pay for paramedic school, finished that up, was a critical care paramedic in central Iowa for a bunch of different services like we paramedics do. Um, had a fabulous time, but slowly that was destroying my soul. Um, mostly just for hours, not, I didn't you know, have the, the scary experiences lots of people do. Uh, and then I fell into a job in sim, which is a, a interesting story all by itself, but I fell into my first job in sim. I was a sim specialist at an osteopathic medical school uh, and was really fortunate to be surrounded by a bunch of people who were really into sim. And uh, from the first moment uh, I got into it, just my interview was supposed to be 30 minutes. I believe it was almost five hours when I finally left. Uh, and I thought, this is cool. I want to do this for the rest of my life. Um, shortly after that, my boss brought me a, a little postcard and said, hey, I know you were thinking about a master's. Drexel is offering its first class. You should check it out. Jumped into that halfway through my master's. I wanted to start implementing that stuff. Um, and as a specialist, I wasn't in that organization. I wasn't really in a position to do that. Uh, and so I made a really big jump um, and took what, what some people have referred to as the job to get the job, where I moved to Kazakhstan and jumped from specialist to founding director of a American-style medical school. Uh, helped set up a, a sim center there, uh, which was a fascinating project and a whole other set of stories. 
Came back to the States for my second director position uh, with NYIT at their Northeast Arkansas campus. Uh, did a lot of standardized patient stuff, which I hadn't done a ton of there. Nice. And then wrapping that up, uh, I started looking to see what was next. And it was either Virgin Islands or New England. And uh, I picked New England. And Matt, now I run a hospital-based program up there for <coughs> Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center. Matt, I've known you for a minute. Not as long as a lot of your people. Mm. But I've known you for a minute. And even in that story, I learned about two things I didn't know. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like, I've yeah. got a background that's pretty interesting. Nothing compared to that. <laughs> but moving on. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is going to be fun, right? Yeah. So I did notice we have something in common. Uh, I also spent time in Arkansas uh, <laughs> as well as, so I was on the border, Western Arkansas, Fort Smith oh. area, as oh, well as pretty Eastern. It, it is. Uh, as no well offense as, to any yeah. of my Northeast Arkansas people. No, I'm, it has pretty parts. All but. offense meant. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I spent a handful of years in eastern Oklahoma, right on the Arkansas border on the Pogo sure. side. And that is the six years of my life I will never get back. Like that's <laughs> It was Oklahoma. I, that's no, I will, I will say I was surprised at how much good I did find in Arkansas. And it, it did surprise me. I, I will admit my own bias going into it. Um, Really interesting people. Super interesting project. Uh, yeah, a state that is is Love I, I say accidentally progressive. Um, they just they have a, a physician shortage that's like twenty years ahead of everybody else. They did some really interesting things to try and bring more physicians in, and a couple of osteopathic schools popped up. Yep. Lots of cool stuff going on there. Yep. Um, some fabulous people doing some really good sim. Um, but you loved it there. I did. Uh, I will say that living, it, no one will ever be able to tell me that they have bad mosquitoes wherever they are, <laughs> because when you live amongst rice fields, you just, it's a different You, you actually, together. you brought up the osteopathic schools that just opened up down there. My, uh, I guess my oldest cousin uh, just graduated from that first class at the one in Fort Smith. Oh, really? So he's from, originally from Oklahoma. He went to medical school there. He's starting his residency, well, just started, I guess. That's this awesome. Month, right? yeah, That's so awesome. You're right. A lot of stuff has popped up. I give Oklahoma, Arkansas a hard time, and it's well-deserved in a lot of areas. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I I joke that it's time I'll never get back, but the, it made me do dumb shit. So I live in Oklahoma. <laughs> There's no mountains to climb. There's no snow to ski on. Uh, and so I had to start doing things for entertainment, like running. I mean, it was like my Forrest Gump moment, right? Like I just decided <laughs> to go running one day and I just didn't stop. Is that, uh, is that the chicken story that we won't nope, get into the, now? the chicken story came from uh, even before that. That happened in Wyoming. And okay. we, we, need to, we need to have that story one because we told another it another time. ghost last year. We had a good time yes. with it. Yeah, well, yeah. All right. Let's do that another so, time. That's just a teaser. So let's talk about what we're going to do today. So Stay tuned. This, this episode, uh, it... It has the potential to uh, piss a few people off or to potentially become something that some people may be a, a bit offended by. And that's not uh, what we want. It's not the intent. And not we are intent. we're doing our best here. But what we're going to talk about today uh, is kind of the evolution of sim tech versus sim ops specialist, uh, where we've been with that realm as where kind of as well as where we're headed. Right. So what's the difference between the two? Uh, you know, and, and understanding one of the first things that we've all agreed upon is Title isn't nearly as important as responsibility, right? So just because your title says SimTech doesn't mean you're not an ops specialist or vice versa. Uh, and so we're going to jump in and talk about a few things today. And we, all three at the table, have something in common. I think this might be the first all-paramedic episode uh, of the Sim Geeks <laughs> podcast. Uh, which That's is actually a bit of a surprise. I really right. would have thought that there had been not yet. It's funny how many like there. It's funny how many EMS people yep. have branched into simulation, and yep. I have. 
I have theories as to why. Um, Me too. We'll get into. We'll have to get into it a different well, time. Say, and that's why when I pitched this episode, you no. were like, "No, yeah, we're not touching it." <laughs> when I pitched this <laughs> the first episode, you were like, "No, no, we're not doing that at all." So let's yeah. So let's talk about why, right? So initially, David said, "Hey, let's have this episode," and I said, "I initially said no, I don't want to touch it." I said it has too much EMT versus paramedic vibe for mm-hmm. me, right? Mm-hmm. Where we end up with the whole ambulance driver sure. thing, or hey, sure. what's a technician versus a clinician? Uh, and and that is a very touchy subject for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, like I said, I think a lot of people come into sim because we're looking for something beyond being a paramedic. Not that there's anything wrong with spending your career as a paramedic. I have, mm-hmm. right? For sure. I, I've I'm my love. entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do hit a ceiling. You either go flight or you go into management or you find another career field. Uh, that, that tends yeah. to be kind of where we end up. And I think a lot of people have, you said medical school. I know several paramedics and EMTs right. that work in yes. medical schools doing simulation. Well, in the, go career, to medical school. the career well, path for paramedics, there aren't a lot of steps to it. Exactly. Right? You're a paramedic, maybe you're some sort of supervisor and, and that field gets so much narrower, right? Absolutely. I worked for an ambulance service that had, I don't know, 90 paramedics, I think that worked for it. We had four lieutenants. We had three deputy chiefs. We had a chief that, that was the end of that path. Not all 90 of us can become lieutenants, yeah. you know, and, and so then your your options are leave or stay or maybe progress into those limited things. Even yeah. as much as you love it, right. even as much right. as you passionately want it, right. it's just, it happens. Absolutely. And I mean, being a paramedic, most places is a physical job. Yeah. And so there is a time limit on it. And that time limit's going to be different for each of us. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with 70 year old paramedics that shocked me yeah. and 26 year olds that I thought were about to fall apart. Yes. Totally. So for this one here, uh, what we're looking at, specifically the difference really comes down to technician or, or operations specialist, right? <laughs> that, that's what we're looking at. I, mean, I guess you could argue technologist in there somewhere as well. And there's coordinator. There's yep. so many other terms that right. I don't even know how they fit in. You could probably tell me better. But really, for this episode, I really wanted to talk about the difference between a sim tech and a sim op specialist. And really, this came out of my experiences. I was hired into this industry. I mean, I, I will say... I got my paramedic license to get a job in sim. It was, it was basically, um, you know, I was in this pit of retail hell, and somebody that I formerly knew came up to me and said, "You know that thing we used to do as kids? And I used to be in Civil Air Patrol, did search and rescue, set up ground teams, search and rescue schools. We would set up scenes with with blood and guts and and make simulation back then. And so I was like, well, yeah. He says, I get paid for that now. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he set up a path to do it. And it was not even supposed to go as quick or as the way it was supposed to go, but it did. And I was hired as a sim tech. And as I knew it, I was, when I started out, a setup, tear down, make it work sort of guy. And that's, you know, I started as that because I didn't know my butt from all on the ground, you know. And I remember going to um, uh, my CHSOS prep course and I went there and I had pretty much just been in my sim center. I hadn't branched out. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boss, I, he's the smartest man I know. I'm going to have him on for one of the episodes. But it was more of he was that military, you know, eyes on your task, do your job sort of thing. So it was really my first interaction up in Michigan. And uh, one of my classmates, you know, I said, well, I'm, I'm just sim tech. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. You're, you're, you're a sim op specialist. And, again, me knowing nothing at, at that point, especially about anything outside my sim center, I'm like, what? Um, no, you're a sim op specialist. I'm like, no, I'm just a sim tech. Is that a problem? Like, and it was this ludicrous. And I was like, why can't I call myself a sim tech? And it, well, you have to understand. And it was brought to me as a 
it has to do with payment, and it has to do with, with paying somebody a certain level in hospitals and how a tech gets paid versus a specialist. And I kind of said, oh, okay, well, that's not really my problem. And I went back to my sentence center where it was there. And at the time, I didn't understand. Sure. And since then, I understand sure. and I get it. Sure. And that's why I wanted to kind of say, and there are going to be people listening that do a sim op specialist job and they're called a sim tech. And that's, that's, that's different and that is a fight unto themselves. But well, I think it, the first thing I bristled at actually when you yes, told that story was when you said just a sim tech. Correct. That was my problem. <laughs> sim tech, whatever you want to yes, be, right? I know. We've got fabulous examples. We've yes. got Scott Crawford's of the world. This oh guy's, I think, official oh title now is associate professor and executive director of a large sim program, right? Self-described as a sim tech I to know. this day. And He's, and please, yes, please, be you you yeah. are not us uh, amazing tech, but human. sim tech, right? Oh, you I know. know not yeah. even the sim tech. Right? <laughs> it's the, the Plato's ideal. Yes, yeah, um, it's great. But but Good and human. then and then you have other people like like Billy Pascal who who you know died in the wool sim tech. Which will always which, describe sim tech. Which you say when you say not just a sim tech, I immediately go to my thing where I mess with her all the time where she's saying not just a sim tech and so it's out of love because I love Billy Pascal. Sure. Uh, it's always well I'm just a sim tech. She's like shut up. But it's it's that just a part, yeah. right? That's yeah, a problem. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the job title thing, I, I think that that's such an interesting problem. And and what I've found with all the different places I worked. So I came into it as a sim specialist. Yeah. There was no conversation. There were not techs. We had a simulation technician. No, technology Simulation technology specialist, okay, right? Who was kind of the IT guy, tinkerer for the yeah. department. Uh, now I have a sim simulation technology technician, which is a goofy <laughs> title that I don't know what to do with. But yeah, but but at the end, you know, there's there's places in in Boston where they are called simulation engineers. Whoa, They're, right? And so the the title thing that's just going to be governed by your organization, and okay. and you're going to put together a job description, and you will take it to them, and whatever tools you use to build that, whoever's job description you've stolen, they are then going to tell you what you get to call it. We talked about this earlier. We just talked, yeah. We talked about it earlier about how it's it's basically plagiarism a lot yeah. of times, right? Oh, yeah. And, and in case you haven't figured please, out, we are still do. in Philip Wortham's office at SimOps 2021 recording this. Plagiarizing so, his office. Yes, that's exactly. Right. We stole it. So, but, but I think, you know, that's something that, that when we got, get caught up in those titles, then we end up fighting the wrong fight. Okay. And so when we look at the the progression from tech to specialist, if we want to call it a progression, right, that's that's where it gets a little bit tricky. But the reason I would call it that is with a technician, you're absolutely right. There there are some pay connotations that come with that. There are just some in the the healthcare world, not even just hospitals, mm -hmm. right? Technicians are considered to be kind of an entry-level position for lots of things. Mm -hmm. If you're an EKG tech, yeah. you are obviously not a cardiologist. Correct. But that's not to demean what the tech does. The no. tech is essential. Essential. In sim, up until recently, which we can get into all sorts of conversations about education and training and things I'd like love that. To. Um, but but up until recently, the only way that you could come to sim was accidentally from some other job, right? So you came with some skill set whether it was a clinical background, whether it was IT, whether it was theater, you know, what, whatever you want to pick. But you One came of the with, pillars I talk about. Right, yeah, absolutely. 
And and because you had to come from there, we had to have a mechanism to get people in the door. Because yeah. you're not going to be able to go to a medical school and say, hey, we've got this theater guy uh, and we want to bring him in to, to run these things, right? Yeah. And so, so by having that technician role, we have an opportunity to create that in a space where the requirements are relatively low. It lets us find people that have those varied backgrounds, those incredible skill sets, have something about them that we just think, I want to work with that person yep. and we can teach them the other stuff. We know how to get them that experience and then we can grow them into whatever else they become, whether it becomes a SIM coordinator, whether it becomes an educator, again, whatever the title is. But when we grow into a SIM specialist, to me, where that becomes, we are specialists in simulation, but we're specialists in that we are generalists, yeah. right? That we have that truly unique combination of skill sets. I talk to people about the work that we do, that we have done, and people just can't wrap their head around it. Yeah. You know, right? They, they, they latch onto one little piece and they're like, oh, right, robots. Right? right? And yeah. like, well, dolls. No, yeah, dummies, right? Yeah. Oh. Mannequins with a Q. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but so you set up store displays. Right. But, but because that's such a specialized skill set, and, and I will argue all day long that that simulation operations is becoming a freestanding profession. Yes. It, the body of knowledge, the required skills, the volume of just stuff you have to deal with is making it into its own profession. Because of that, we have to have that progression until we get to a point where reliably someone can say, I want to go to EMT school. I want to go to paramedic school. I want to go to sim specialist school yeah, or operation go. school, right? And that's and right there. There's the, programs starting and, and programs exist and right. programs trying to exist. And that's what it, that's that's kind of where I see that differentiation, right? That that is the basically it's the development of recognized professional education where you're not coming in as something else or someone else who also knows something about sim or right. learned how to run the mannequin because of your other job and now you want to make it full time. You're someone who set out and said I want to do that for a career right. and I'm going to get there by going to this school or this program or these certification programs. And, and you, that doesn't mean you can't bridge from one to the next. Sure. It doesn't mean you can't go sure. from tech to op specialist, but somebody could come out of high school. That's our marketing right now. We could pe yeah. get people basically hooked in high school yep. on this yeah. idea and they don't go be an EMT and then eventually wind up in a Simpson. Right. They come right out and say, I'm going to be a Sim specialist. And, and I think I want a whole nother episode on how do we attract people to this industry and how do we make them? Cause I'm telling you, it's like, I tell people all the time, this is the best job nobody ever knew existed. Right. Sorry, go. No, no, no. I completely agree. And I think that's where, so the only way I fell into Sim, right? The, the only way I became a Sim specialist out of the gates, we've discussed a little bit of my background, but truly this job description that was put together, I when I came into Sim, I didn't even know what Sim was. Right, right. Yeah. With with a lot of help from from some very wonderful people, I did a I, I got a lot of research, I got a lot of information, and I prepared for that interview like no other interview. Right. But coming into it, what they had asked for in their job description, you know, they had all the normal stuff. I want somebody who can work in a dynamic environment. <laughs> I want you know somebody who can troubleshoot these kinds of things. But the things that stuck out and the things that made this job pop up on Indeed for a human like me. They wanted somebody with five years of patient care experience with yep. paramedics being preferred. Yep. And, and, not or, and. It's because we're cheap. Let's admit it, right? That, that, is a piece, <laughs> that is a piece of the puzzle. But, and, in addition to the, the healthcare experience, and someone with five years of IT experience with healthcare IT being preferred. I looked at that job description and I thought, I don't know for the life of me what simulation is. 
But at the very least, there are maybe three of us in the Midwest that are, are going to meet these requirements, and we will be friends. Yeah. <laughs> if nothing else, I will meet these people and be like, hey, buddy, you know? And, and then I went in, and from the very first digital rectal exam and my first meeting of Noelle, who is a very nice lady, mm-hmm. just coming across all that stuff, I thought, this is the weirdest, coolest thing I've ever done. Absolutely. Yep. So... Talking about the positions and, you know, SimTech, Sim Operations Specialist, where, so where was it and where do you see it going? You know, I, I think it's going to continue to evolve as a profession and it's going to continue to find its way to be freestanding. And and one of the things I, I talk to anyone who will listen about yeah. uh, is in that professional development realm for simulation operations, technician, specialist engineers, coordinators, whatever, Mm -hmm. for all those people, not only do we have to gather all the operations information, but we do also have to go to that neighboring stuff, the Mm -hmm. education, the administration, all those things, because what sim operations really is, and this is one of my favorite words that people Mm -hmm. apparently don't use often, but it is one of the most interstitial things I've ever run into. It exists in the space between all of the other stuff that has yeah. to go on. You need your subject matter experts. You need your structure, whether it's a hospital or an ed- educational institution or whatever it is. But you need somebody who can pull that stuff together, who can speak those languages with those people, yeah. who has just enough information that they can say, I see you. I know what you're talking about. Here, get me the rest of the way. Here's something we can do. And then brings this whole new body of knowledge. And so as we keep developing that, what we have to do is keep advocating for ourselves. We have to keep standing up and saying, no, this is a real profession. No, this requires these things. We have formal education now. It's still growing. It's still it's still new, but but it's it's coming. Right. Um, we have obviously conferences. Yeah. We have a, a lot of people talking about this and it's accreditation, a, accreditation certification, yeah, certification. Um, you know, all of these things and, and even accreditation that's being recognized outside of just the SIM world, right? right? You yeah. can go to the American College of Surgeons and there are two accreditations for SIM from them. Um, you know, we've got lots of other organizations working on different things to say we're marrying these two things. We are now recognizing some skill in that. And, and so to that end, we have to keep pushing forward. And, and I, I will say that when I started in SIM, it was really uncommon to see a director. This is So this is seven and a half years ago, almost yep. eight years ago. It was really uncommon to see a director who didn't have a clinical background that matched yep. the place that they were teaching. Absolutely. Yep. Or they were working. And that's what they still want. It, a lot of places. Many places. You many that, places. Let's not forget, we're in Phil's office. Phil right. has zero clinical background. Yeah. He, he right. has some AV background. Granted, he's got a long story career in SIM now. Right. But just like a lot of us, he fell into it. It wasn't intentional. That's why I made right. him our first interview. Because yeah. I wanted to show people... Where you came from doesn't matter. You can really grow. You can really right. go places. That's why I but want to that's interview. relatively new. Like right, you said, is. Like for the most part, for years, it was, hey, this person's a decent clinician with experience. So we're going to have them start teaching. And then they're going to learn to run the mannequin because they have to. Right. In yeah. order to continue this on. Right. May not want to. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, I won't go there. Yeah. But I mean, but that's where this started, right? For clinicians. <laughs> Clinicians became educators. Hey, here's this box in the closet. Yep. Put this thing together and, and figure it out. And here. different levels of people embraced it in different ways. Right. You know, my right. boss, basically, I think my boss, my former boss tonight, was like found the mannequin and then just made the program himself right. and championed it forever. Yep. Right. But some people get thrust upon them. And, that's and, and I, I credit my first center with, with a lot of um, 
inadvertent inspiration. Nice. So I was at uh, I was at a medical school. We didn't have a single doctor in our department. Mm -hmm. We had a PA. We had a nurse. Uh, our director had been an EMT on an OB ward in the Air Force, maybe. Mm -hmm years before, but he had a master's in education. So he was kind of building that. We had a corpsman, we had a army medic, um, and, and all these people had grown into different roles in this place, but I didn't know any different, yeah. right? Rolling into this, I didn't know that in the rest of the sim world, if you wanted to run a nursing center, you had to be a nurse. If you wanted to run yeah. most medical schools, you were going to be a physician. Um, and so, I, I mean, I didn't know any better. Yeah. But now we're seeing that. We're seeing the Phil Wortham's of the world. We're seeing more and more people that are stepping into that. Absolutely. I, paramedic by training, I've never been anywhere where I've actually directly worked at a center that supported paramedics until this one. And now it's, it's super indirect, right? We work yeah. with the flight team a little bit here and there. But... I'd say another stumbling block is making the people, some some places, making the people um, that you work with understand what your position is. Because mm -hmm. I know that where in one of my jobs, I won't say which one, when I hired in, um, it was very obscure of what is this guy going to do? I thought right. we did this. Right. And, you know, this is the education team. It was not their talent. It was not their skills. But they're having to do it all. But, right. of course, then they're taking ownership. So it was almost an insult of, who's this guy? Where is he coming from? Why is he doing this stuff? Right. And I come in how I am. I'm just like, I'm here to make your job easier. I'm here to facilitate this so that you can, you're the talent. Go be talent and be awesome. You know, and there was a power play of, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm taking, like they thought we were taking away, away things from them and stuff sure. like that. Sure. And so, I Oh, go ahead. So, so I guess, you know, we've been talking back and forth on this one. Where would you draw the line? So, again, we understand that some people work under different titles, right? It's not, mm -hmm. you know, just because you're listed as technician doesn't mean we think any less of you. Um, but is is the formal education going to be that cutoff? Or is there going to be some other visible career path of when you hit these marks, now we right. see you as an op special? I, I think it's going more that direction. But what is it? it what, may, is, what are those steps? And it may, but that's this is the same thing. And we talked about this in the pre-conversation. We should probably bring it up now. But there's so many parallels in paramedicine right. and EMS oh, in this. So that's where they're trying to push that is two-year degree. And because I'm actually a proponent of having Simtex, simulation operations specialists, and growing. Because um, we're getting that in some of my places I interact with where, well, we call them a sim-op specialist. Why don't they know this stuff? Well, because we didn't have any sim-op specialist to hire, we hired somebody. They don't know. We're training them still. And so, yeah. So I think, I think the thing that's going to drive that almost more than anything, though, is that fundamentally the simulation operations specialist exists in an academic setting. Even in, if it's hospital-based or whatever, it still arguably is kind of within that academic framework. Okay. And because of that, I think you're right. We will move towards a, a point at which degrees are a piece of that puzzle. And, and we see it lots of places where they're calling for a bachelor's degree, they're calling for yeah. an associate's degree or yeah. something like that. And that's often driven by HR. It's driven by, Absolutely. oh, we can't pay them X, Y, or Z, or they can't have this title without a degree. But I think the thing that will really push it for us specifically in SIM is right now we don't have enough degree programs to support that move. True. We, we, I, I was talking with somebody about this the other day, and I, I don't know exactly how many graduates there are from the, I think we're now up to six or seven varying stages of existence, master's degree programs in SIM. I don't know how many we've graduated, but most of those programs have been around for 
I think the oldest one was eight years, but it closed three years in and I think just reopened. But but most of those programs were five or six people per class. Yeah, exactly. So no we're talking. 20. Yeah, I mean, maybe we're talking less than 100 people probably over the last eight years that have been produced with that specific degree. So in the meantime, we kind of fall back to sort of that EMS model where it was more experience based. It is there's some skill set, right? We may say, oh, they have to be able to X, Y, Z. But those things are either certifications, yep. like s simple ones, either, I mean, the, the SSH certifications, right, are two years minimum experience. That's something. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people use that as a promotional thing. I, I have mixed feelings about that, but yeah. that's that's what a lot of people do. Um, there's a lot of things where it just is based on your center. Once you can do X, Y, and Z, you can troubleshoot 3G all day long or, you know, whatever. Um, I think what we've done at my my current center is we've we've done kind of a mix of those things, um, and we've we've kept the requirements somewhat low. Um, that's an artifact of of kind of how it's been building over time, um, but it's also to make those moves attainable in the near future until we start seeing more people coming in with those degrees, until we start seeing jobs that that pay at a level that it's actually competitive for for people that are coming in with that. So I, I think that's that's a big piece to the puzzle. I think the other thing, and and we're on this tipping point, when you see big centers that have lots of stuff, or even little centers, but they have lots of stuff, that's the part where all of a sudden there is a recognition of some of the things that need to be taken off the plates of the people. And like you said before, jokingly, but it's real it's cheaper, yeah, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, you, you talk about nurse educators in some parts of the world are, are well into six figures. Having a six figure person counting widgets yeah. maybe isn't the best use of our money. If we consider an operations specialist who we can pay much better than we are now even, but still maybe not hit six figures right out of the gates, they can become such a force multiplier because yeah. like you're saying, now the nurse educator, the doc, the whatever, paramedic goes out and teaches the skill set that they have. That person now can take care of the logistics, can mm -hmm. take care of the operations. And they're going to have more experience opening up the mannequin, more yep. comfort doing those things. They can have those conversations with the vendors or with the whomever yeah. that, that you know, I, starting off, arguably, I was a paramedic, right? Yeah. I open up the mannequin. I'm like, I don't know. The spring is popping off of the flippy piece. <laughs> I don't know. You know, and, and then over time you you get that skill set yeah we can do that through education or we can do it through experience and so right now we're kind of in that that funny spot so so another conversation uh and i don't know exactly how to word this correctly so again i'm trying to be i'm trying to be nice about this uh but you and i discussed this earlier all three of us did the idea that it doesn't always make sense for the tech and operations staff to answer directly to the educators does that have something to do with this professionalism or this level to say you know what we need technician operation staffs to basically have their own chain of command to up to leadership versus answering almost to the education staff because the educators are doing one thing we need to have that crossover we need to be able to communicate but at the end of the day you don't work for me right you, there's no reason you should have to right. work for me and so how do we how do we do that how do we and does that in any way have something to do with kind of helping us move forward sure i think it's a good question i i haven't seen too many examples where the operation staff actually report to the educator okay in an interesting way that might make it easier than where we are now where 
typically in, in most centers, because there aren't a lot of huge centers like, like, like campus, right, for instance. <laughs> um, but but typically it is more of a flat file, right? And the educators and the techs all, or the operations specialists or whatever, all report to a similar layer, or maybe there's one layer and then, you know, the top layer or something like that. And, and it's, it's the bigger problem is really that false hierarchy is that we've created this conceptual idea that a, an educator must necessarily come above an operations specialist. And, and it made sense in some sort of logical way early on when there wasn't this huge body of knowledge that comes with being an operations specialist. When we weren't saying, you got to know the tech, you got to know the theater part, you've got to know a little bit of the medicine, at least you've got to be able to put that stuff together. You've got to be able to speak to the education side of it and mix all these things together. Now, as that's growing, it, it makes less sense for that false hierarchy to be there because now you have two people arguably two positions that are bringing so much to that table. And I think about, for instance, with, with my current center to have the educators only responsible for developing that content. We miss out on so many opportunities. The number of, of scenarios that we had, well, a, the number of things that, that we've had at, at every place I've worked that had a scenario for a skills training, right? So an hour's worth of setup, 3G, all the bells and whistles, everything there, and we are going to have them walk in and catheterize that mannequin. Yep. Uh, and, and as opposed to then, if you bring in somebody with that logistics, that operational eye, that experience to say, hey, you know what? We've got 13 of these task trainers over here. We can get to your same objectives this way. Yeah. It'll take this much less time, this much whatever, and now we can do this with this other thing. And basically I, have a whole classroom of people doing the same skill at the same right. time. And, and I guess, and you're right, I, I misworded that, but it's that false hierarchy that right. we were talking about earlier, right? Where we kind of have this imagined step system. Um, but, you know, again, I think you did a good job of answering that. You know, how do we get away from that? And I, I think you're... Kind of onto the right steps there. I, th I think the other part is, and and this is all love and respect to firefighters, paramedics, you know, EMS, the whole the whole mix. We took a long time to go from Johnny and Roy cowboys yeah. playing pranks in the firehouse, <laughs> kind of growing as a profession, maturing a little bit. We still can do the pranks and things like that. Like there's <laughs> there's definitely wiggle room that yeah. I support. Still, but, still but, cook the occasional chicken, for instance, oh. right? Yeah. <laughs> And, Epic story. And, and I think that, that that's a little bit where we are now, where there is a, a certain pride that comes with being a tech or an operations specialist. There is a certain cowboy attitude, right? Like, yeah. we, we will handle it. We will get it done. We will find an answer, and we will do it well. I tell people I love wearing the cape. Yeah, right. You know, I Absolutely. just want to fly in and fly and fix it and fly out. But as we keep establishing ourselves, as we keep performing consistently, as we keep being able to engage not only in the hands-on component, but also then in the knowledge component, in the, the integration of those things, in that interstitial space, then we start to become not only truly consummate professionals such as we are, but we also become a recognized and an essential piece to any simulation program from the taking the pressure off the educators so that yeah. they can best practices, right? So right. that they can observe and they can focus on the teaching and the, the assessment of the learners. Yeah, work with them, gel, and that's the thing. You guys were talking about the different features of the mannequin. I mean, I'm thinking back to, you know, I've got a scenario where they're talking about using Sim Mom for, for a death and dying. And I'm like, the problem is there's no eyelids. So how right. are you going to tell that the person's died? 
you know, and, right. and I'm trying to express that to my educators. But yeah, so I mean, that's but but same thing, yeah, right? Is is exactly. to help people get there of helping with the 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 costs, right? Talking yeah. to my techs recently. We had a bunch of things where we were looking at buying X mannequin that's thirty five thousand dollars or whatever it is, and we, need, and we needed to buy we needed to buy three of them uh, to to send out, and that was going to be a big ask, right? After COVID, after all these things, that's logistically and financially maybe not irresponsible, but certainly it's going to be a push. Yeah. And then the the techs actually came forward and they said, "Well, hold on a second, you know, if if all we want to use it for is this and this and this." What about this mannequin? It's sixteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. We could buy twelve of them, yeah. and you know, still come out ahead in this game. And and so all of a sudden, just that perspective, having that eye on something that maybe isn't the natural headspace for an educator or someone else to be in, because you're going to default to what you know best. Oh, if I know absolutely. medicine best, or if I know clinical whatever best, that's going to be my primary lens. But if I know mannequins, if I know sim best, that's my primary lens, and that's where I think the operation specialist really shines. I know I've had that work, uh, experience too and I know other techs have. You know, we get new equipment and we're not read in on that sale at all or mm-hmm. even given advice and we're like this won't do the job, but we had no input. Yep. So the fact yep. that we can grow our field to the point where we are asked, we're thought of as, well, these are the guys that have to do right. it. They should know it. But, but, but high fidelity, right? It's, uh, <laughs> it's a great movie. I love it. It's a great John Cusack but that's, movie. That's the, I mean, that's the thing, though, right? Uh, is we fall into marketing traps at times. And I think that yeah, you're right. Sure. Having somebody who really can wade through the bullshit and say, hey, here's what I absolutely right. need. Right. Yeah. Um, and but, also somebody who can say, here's an alternate path to get us there, or here's the yep. thing we already have, or... Yep. Absolutely. You're talking about fidelity. They're selling you technology. Let's talk about fidelity. Let's find our way to get to exactly what we need for our level of learner. What are your learning objectives? What are your learning objectives? Right. I have stickers for this. (laughs) Well, guys, I... uh I'm actually impressed. You you both know I was nervous coming into this conversation. Uh, you said it, no. Like, well, I did. I, I shot this down. So, again, I, I saw this quickly in my head devolving into an ambulance driver versus sure, paramedic sure. thing, nope. right? Uh, because we've dealt with that. All yes. of us have in that, that concept of, oh, well, so you're an ambulance driver. No, I, I went to school for two years. I have a degree yeah. that says I went to school to become a paramedic. Granted, my degree came a few years after I became a paramedic. But, but like, <laughs> a, there is a difference, right, yeah. between technician and clinician. Uh, and in this one, there is a difference between technician and specialist. Yeah. But it doesn't always come with the title. Right. right? And that's Correct. the thing. Is Correct. We, we got to make sure that people understand that. Uh, in, in no way are we saying, hey, you're you're just a tech. That's never once been oh, yeah. the thing that we're looking right. at. It's Billy Pascal saying, right now is just sitting there, you know, cheering. Uh, <laughs> I, I know, she's on the couch right now doing that. Yeah. And, and that's what I was telling you is, though, when I first heard the term, I'm just like laughable. I'm like, that's ridiculous. And I have come to understand that it means so much more. I've come to understand that we are in charge. An operations specialist is in charge of more. Like you said, I am going just to keep my eye on this equipment. Well, you're just playing on the internet looking at, you know, new toys. <laughs> no, I'm really trying to stay abreast on what is good, what we need in the industry, what or what we're going to need to meet our learning objectives. And if it doesn't fit here, 
here. I'm going to know for somebody else because I try to be a resource in our industry. And I think I think one of the best parallels that you could come up with when we talk about uh, an EMT, an emergency medical technician versus a paramedic, right, is with a, a technician versus a specialist. A technician is paid for what they can do. A specialist is paid for what they know. Absolutely. They're not going yep. to use everything that they know every single time, yep. but they are there to expand upon whatever is happening to kind of build that up. They can do all the stuff as well. And, and 90% of the time a paramedics call is a BLS call, right? You know, like that's just, that is just how it works. Probably wrong percentage, but no, but you give me a week, I can take anyone off the street and teach them to do all of the physical skills that a paramedic has to do on the day. I mean, people can get as pissed as they want. It's not that hard to intubate. It's not that hard to put start an IV. What I really need is someone who understands the underlying physiology, clinical ex- decision making. The, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, and, and you can't. It, it, that's that comes with experience. Right. You don't. You don't get just to pull someone off the street. Say, hey, here's how you right. intubate, and then cut them loose because they're not going to know when to do it and or there are why they're doing tons it. Tons of EMTs that that's, I would pick yeah, I all day long. Oh yes. my god, for their experience and their ability yes. to clinically reason. Yeah. Right. Like and I'm, that's. I was going to say that because scope of practice oh. is a separate question. Oh Absolutely. my god, they they may have that knowledge and skill and yeah, and so many talented EMTs. I mean, and it drives me crazy when, I mean, I've been working as a paramedic and one, we were working an event and this person that was supposedly in charge snubbed my EMT and I was furious and I gave them another chance. By the way, this is my EMT. He was like, well, you're the paramedic. I'm like, and that person was dead to me at that point. So no, I I was, that's why I'm glad you put that up because we love our EMTs, the skill set and the understanding, the reasoning is so important. So the sim techs and the, you know, things like that are so important. But you said it's the wide angle. It's going from a tight angle lens of knowing data and knowing how to do the job to the wide angle of applying the knowledge to better suit and, you know, the the position. And again, it's for us, it's to you, the educator. I'm there to make your job easier. I'm there to help you supplement you. Let's work this together. So, all right. Nice. Well, I, uh, Again, I, I think we did a decent job of kind of wrapping it up and, and coming yep. back without without burning anyone to the ground or getting <laughs> yeah. ourselves in hot water. We'll yep. find out in the comments, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. oh, and give us your comments. Give us your ideas. Give us your you know your love, your hate, whatever. Well, guys, so this is this is our second recording that we've done here live. Uh, well, it won't be live for you guys. Yeah. It'll be recorded, right? Because it's a podcast. <laughs> but for from SimOps here in, at Camels in Tampa. Uh, and we have a few other things that we're going to be doing over the next couple of days. We're going to be pushing a lot of content out. Uh, and so feel free to reach out. Let us know what you guys are looking for. If you have suggestions, if there's something here that you want to see, uh, and we will we'll try and work through it and try and fit it in. Topics or anything like that. Give us the ideas. Give us the, uh, you know, we, we only want to do this for you. We want to know what you want. So by all means, reach out. And we love the interaction. So. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Dude, appreciate I, we've it. been this trying this awesome. for oh, two years. We've been trying right, to get you on. Right, yep. so, <laughs> so we, this cannot be the last time and no. it certainly can't be another two years. I think this was a, this was good. And I'm, we have plenty of other things we could talk about. I'm in. I'm I appreciate in. your time. You were a very busy dude. So important dude. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Thanks guys. Have a good night. Take care.